This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I say good morning to each of you. What a beautiful day of life that we've been blessed with. And I can say with certainty that there's no better place we could be than right here this morning to worship God with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The topic I want to discuss this morning is rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is an idea that the Apostle Paul presents to us in his second epistle to Timothy. He tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And of course, we know that the Apostle Paul is not talking about math, but being somebody that works with numbers a lot, when I hear the the instructions to rightly divide something, I just think of a a math problem. And so what I've done to help prepare our minds is just put a few simple division problems on the board. I assure you we're not in, in store for a math lesson today. We know the Apostle Paul was not trying to stress to Timothy, learn your arithmetic. But I think there is a really good parallel that we'll see by thinking of math and make that parallel with rightly dividing the scripture. So a few basic problems I've got written here, four divided by two, six divided by one, eight divided by two. And probably everybody in this audience, except maybe our littlest of kids, can probably answer those problems like that. And so we know the, the answers to these. So we've got Four divided by two equals five. Six divided by one equals two. Eight divided by two equals one. Something is not right there. I mean, you knew like that, but that's wrong. And so maybe you can kind of see where I'm going to go with this study this morning. When we hear messages from God's Word that are presented from the Bible, do we pick up when somebody may preach something that is not true? Are we as quick to recognize those falsehoods as we are with these problems. But why were you able to to see the error in these so quickly? Well, it's because from an early age, you were taught those basic math principles. And you haven't spent a whole lot of time, probably no time going through questioning what four divided by two is. You don't sit there, hmm, maybe I do need to think about that a little differently. No, you understand that there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. We're not seeking new ways to solve these problems, and neither should we be seeking new ideas from the Scripture. The Scripture, there's a right way to do it, or else Paul would not have given us the instructions to rightly divide the word of truth. So our Scripture, as I mentioned, comes from 2 Timothy 2 and 15, which says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the word of truth, obviously, it can be wrongly divided. Otherwise, the Apostle Paul would not have said this. And what this means is it does not mean to parse out the verse, you know, divide word by word. What it means is just to present it properly. Represent the word of God in its true form as as we preach it to other people. If you look at the Greek for this, uh, these words rightly dividing, They come from Greek words that mean just to properly handle. So that's what we need to do. As we study the Scripture, as we present it to others, we need to properly handle the Scripture. 
And this is important because mishandling God's word presents a danger like nothing else. And there is so much grief in this world. Think about all the grief in this world that is caused by people mishandling something. You know, the instructions we have now on products are, you know, they're ridiculous. You know, you read, do this, do this. But on the other hand, you see people out there, you may have seen pictures of people, like they'll take a big ladder, which is a useful tool, and they'll put it on a bucket or something, and you know that something bad is going to happen. And the laws of the land, you know, speed limits are there for a reason. Uh, warnings, we have warnings on certain things everywhere. There's products that are designed for a certain purpose, and they serve that purpose, but people misuse them. And that same principle is true with the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's the Word of life. It is the instructions on how we are to live in this life, how we are to go about our business, the things to do, the things to avoid. How do we glorify God in this life? And if we don't handle that Word properly, we can be a danger to others who look to us for an example. About, when I think about mishandling something, the, I can't get over the example of a trampoline because a trampoline typically is not dangerous if you use it by the instructions, you know, one person at a time. But if you ever had one, you know what happens. One kid, that doesn't happen. Then you've got two kids on it. And I speak from experience too. So you've got two kids on it, three, four, you've got literally the half the block is on this thing. The dog's up there. People are flying off and slammed into each other. And perhaps that's maybe a poor example to try to parallel the scripture, but I couldn't get over the fact. You know, just when things are mishandled, danger, usually we put ourselves in danger. Things go bad really, really fast. And a lot of that just comes from not thinking about what we're doing at the time. For example, I, I remember um, as a teenager pulling a trampoline up and jumping off the roof. You know, you just don't think about it. You're mishandling something and you put yourself in danger. But as we're going to discuss this morning, the great danger is, is mishandling God's word because we put our souls in danger. And not just ourselves, others that look to us, whether we're preaching to them or they're just looking at us as an example. Someone can very easily take the words of life and by ignorance, or many people purposely take the words of life, they distort them and they twist them into something that is deadly, not in this life only, but for eternity. And that's where studying comes into play. That's why the Apostle Paul says, study to show yourself approved to God. Being approved by God means to delve into his word, study it, and understand what he's given us. The Word of God is something we certainly want, to, certainly want to share with others, but if I invite them to do that and don't present it right, then you know, I present a danger to all the guests that I share. We are to properly handle the truth, just as uh, Paul tells Timothy. Now, when a child gets something that they think is great, you know, maybe you've given your child a gift, or maybe we think back to our childhood, and we get this great gift. We're eager to share that gift with others. As children of God, we've been given this great gift of the Bible. Are we eager to share that with others? 
but not just like in a child mentality, but with the maturity of someone who has studied to show themselves approved so that we can rightly divide that word, that we can distribute it out to others. And notice here that we're told that if we study, we won't be in a position of shame. Because if there's anything, you know, we can do a lot of things to be ashamed of, but it's hard to top being ashamed, the shame we will have if we preach a false doctrine. You know, all of us are going to stand before God in judgment. None of us wants to stand before Him looking back on a life spent mishandling God's Word or teaching lies to others. So for us to rightly divide the word of truth, as we're told here, we must study and we must understand what truth is. And it's a good question, I think, to ask, what is truth? It's a question that Pilate asked. He had the Savior of mankind face to face right in front of him. And one of the things he asked, what is truth? In John 18, verses 37 and 38, we read, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find no fault. I find in him no fault at all. It seems like Pilate may have been a little bit frustrated with the concept of truth. And there's no surprise to that because he's witnessing this sham trial going on and he sees a righteous man who has done nothing wrong and he sees that they want this man punished and put to death. He can just, you know, I can almost see him throwing his hands up in there. What is truth? Because this is not, this is, you know, a disaster going on here. And as a side note, what I've always found in interesting is that when Pilate says, what is truth, what does he do? He immediately goes out to the crowd and speaks truth. He says, I find no fault in him at all. I don't know if that was by coincidence or what, but something that I've noticed. But the treatment of Jesus did not make any sense. We read back, we know it didn't make sense. Pilate knew it didn't make sense. But it's an illustration of where man's doctrine will lead us. Man's doctrine leads us into nonsense. Jesus says that those who are of the truth hear His voice because His voice is truth. His voice, the Word of Jesus, that is a direct copy of the voice of God. Many men try to put their own spin on the voice of God, and when that happens, what is that message? It's no longer the message of God. It's some perverted or it's some changed message of God if it's not right in line with the truth. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than ye have received, let him be accursed. 
And that, to me, is some pretty strong language. I think maybe what we might say in today's language is, I said this, I repeat, and then he says it again. And there's just, it is so clear the message that he says, if any man preaches any other gospel to, to, than what you've received, let him be accursed. So there's no doubt that this is an important thing that we need to pay attention to. But how many people have been led easily away from the truth? The Apostle Paul, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the, the truth. He, did, he couldn't even understand. It doesn't make any sense. You've been given the words of life. You've been given the true gospel of Christ. Why in the world are you so soon to take yourself away from that? But as we know, we look around this world and we see that there are so many people who follow these false gospels that are about as true as 4 divided by 2 equals 5. 4 divided by 2 equals 9. You know, they don't make any sense and it seems like in every other thing they want to be right, but when it comes to the scripture, oh, we can change that a little bit. I don't agree with that verse over there or this verse over here. I'm okay to change that. Again, the logic behind that is trying to say that 1 plus 1 equals 9. It, it doesn't match up. The truth is simple. The truth is the truth. And just like the Apostle Paul says, I marvel. I, don't even, I can't even understand why you guys are so soon to take yourself away from the truth. Jesus tells us in John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus tells us here, he is the truth. And so just mathematically speaking, Christ and the truth, those are equal. Christ equals truth. So we are told to rightly divide the word of truth. Plug Christ in there. Rightly divide the word of Christ. And so we have Christ is the truth, the word of Christ is the same as the word of truth. The word of Christ is the same as the word of God. Because we're told in John chapter 1 and 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Christ, truth, word of God, those are all the same thing. They're all equal. So when we're told to rightly divide the word of truth, it means to take Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and properly demonstrate him to others. And that's an, an honor that we have, but it's also a, a great responsibility that each of us has. And how do we make sure we appropriately do that, that we rightly do that? Well, an important step, we, we've read to start with to study. We've got to understand it. But we have to realize how precious the truth is. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. How we handle something, including the truth, it depends on the value we put on it. And here we see the Apostle Paul he says, 
without ceasing. I never stop. Thessalonians, hey, I never stop thanking God for the way you treat His Word. You took the Word. You didn't take it just as good advice, uh, a principle, a doctrine to live by. No, you took that Word as the truth, the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul, as he, as, again, he, he says he thanks God continually that they did that. Well, why would we be any different? Would that be a true statement for us? Would he say, would he thank God for the church here in Alma, that we receive the word of God, not just as words of men that maybe we think are good words, but did, do we receive, have we received the word of God like we should receive it as the absolute truth? And, and just as the Apostle Paul, he was giving thanks to God continually for the way that the Thessalonians received the Word of God. Look at how Jesus Christ himself, when he goes to God in prayer, look at what, look at what he says. Because here he mentions our relationship with the truth. In John 17, verses 8 and 9, he says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And then down in the 17th verse of that chapter, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Think about the context of when this was said. This is Christ's love for us. He's about to be betrayed. He's on the verge of being humiliated, scourged, all the stuff that he goes through, nailed to the cross, crucified. Right before this happens, and what is he doing? He's praying for you and me. He's praying for his disciples. That's it's kind of hard to even fully understand what a great blessing that is, his love for us. Jesus says that he's given us the words that God gave him. We might ask ourselves, am I walking worthy of this prayer? As I go through my life, do I deserve Jesus even praying to God on my behalf? And of course we can all probably say no, I mean, because we mess up and we do so a lot. But we should be striving in some sense, to walk worthy of this prayer. Jesus gave us what God gave him. He rightly divided the message. And we often think about believing. When we think about belief, usually it's a one-way street. We think about how we believe in God. We believe in the Bible. We believe in the truth. We believe in Jesus. What about the other way around? Do we ever think about how Jesus Jesus believes in you. Jesus believes in every single one of us. Despite all of our faults, He believes in us. He prayed to God for us that we would handle the truth properly. That's something we probably don't think about. I know I don't think about that enough, that Jesus believes in me. What am I going to do with that? The Son of God believes that I can 
in whatever way I can preach his word and be a good example, be a shining light. Let others know what the truth is. This kind of thought is echoed again with the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy. This time in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 11, he says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Any of us that have put on our Lord and Savior in baptism can make this same, can look at it this way. He counted me faithful out of everybody in the world. He counted me capable of joining the ministry. And that's true for everybody has this opportunity. And that is a sobering thought. The same glorious gospel has been placed in our trust too. You know, we look at, sometimes we look at the Apostle Paul, we look at Timothy maybe as larger in, than life. We kind of, they're like maybe an, more of an idea than an actual person. But do we think these men didn't have problems? By, by no means they did. And in reality, the Apostle Paul could be, we could plug our name in there. If we've obeyed the gospel, if we're in the church, we could plug our name in that. This is a message to us. These prayers, these messages are directed to us just as much as they are to Timothy. Later in his, his letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, in verses 20 and 21, he says this, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called which some professing have erred concerning the faith grace be with thee amen just as with the apostle paul the truth was committed to timothy's trust it's committed to our trust as well and in these closing words to timothy he instructs timothy to to hold fast to to not let go of the truth and he also warns him to avoid what? Avoid profane and vain babblings. Avoid also oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Oh, there's a lot of ideas out there. We know that there's so many weird, false doctrines. There's just so much. We could easily, we, if we want a false doctrine, we don't have to look very far. There's no shortage of them. But what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, don't even give these things the time of day. They're profane, they're vain. In other words, they're wicked, they're worthless. Don't even, you can't follow a false doctrine if you don't consider it. You know, again, back to, to math, you don't reconsider what those basic answers are, one plus one. No, you, you're grounded in that truth. You know what that answer is. You don't waste your time with theories about how this might, you might need to reconsider that. And what we do if we give ear to these profane and vain babblings, if, if we give those the time of day, very easily we can start to consider those things. And it can eat away our resolve and you know, our firm grip on the truth. And for so many people, before you know it, they've exchanged this priceless gem of the truth, the Bible, for something that is worthless.
and it happens sadly all day every day you know let's say you go and you have a $50 bill and you need change for it and you go and hand that to somebody and they instead of giving you $50 back they give you 40 and say you know it's bad luck if I believe that it's bad luck to give someone their full change back are you gonna accept that no but when it comes to the Bible there's a lot of people that accept that there are so many people that for a lack of a better term get ripped off when it comes to the truth they shortchange themselves because they don't do what is very simply laid out in the Bible they don't study the word you know we're so blessed in this land you can get a Bible at the you know tap of a, a phone now you can read the Bible you can pick up a Bible anywhere there's no shortage of the truth so we have no excuse to not have studied it and, and learned what that truth is. And God trusts us with his word, so we better not be shortchanging ourselves and ripping others off when it comes to the truth. We have to rightfully divide it. More words from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. Hold fast the truth, don't let go of the true word of God. The form of sound words or the pattern has been set for us. He says here to keep that good thing by the Holy Ghost that lives within us. What is that good thing? Well, that good thing is the truth. And the Holy Spirit helps us guard it. You know, Jesus talks about a helper that he was going to send, the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit helps us guard the truth. Because, you know, we're told in the Scripture, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't, don't do things that upset the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Well, if you preach a false doctrine, that's one sure way to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. As we're told here, keep the good thing, keep the truth by the Holy Spirit. So you're just you know, taking out the protection that the Holy Spirit gives you, the guidance. You're just ignoring that. And certainly you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit when you do that. And not only that, what, do we, what we're going to see is that we bring upon the wrath of God when we don't pass on the truth to others. We're told in Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, <clears throat> against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. And so what he's he starts out here, he's just basically giving an illustration of somebody who is not ignorant of God's word. That's what this, the gist of this is. The men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, they have the truth and they don't rightfully, you know, like what we're talking about, they don't rightfully divide that truth to others. Verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of world are clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So we're told here about those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Somebody that takes the truth and presents it in a way that is not right or just simply doesn't pass it on to others. It's not complete ignorance of, of the Word of God, but it's changing it up or it's using it in an improper manner. It's twisting the Word around to push certain ideas that are based on man's opinions, and we know when that happens, it's no longer the Word of God, it's an opinion. When you think about it, you can make a case for just about anything you want to do if you twist the Word of God enough. You can take a verse here and here. Well, I believe this because the Bible says this and that. And you can make a, a case for just about anything. And that's where it goes back to, to studying and knowing the Scripture. When something doesn't sound right, we should be able to pick up upon that. And we certainly don't want to be guilty of preaching a falsehood to others. We have to realize that we cannot create truth. <clears throat> truth comes from God. That's, that is the source of truth. He is the truth. And we're told to rightly divide the truth. I don't make truth and you don't make truth. We can speak the truth. We can follow the truth. But I don't define truth. Because when you get, go down the road of this man's argument is the truth, really it's just opinion because he has a truth, they have a truth, I have my own truth. The truth is the truth, and that's very clear in the Scripture. We don't create truth. No man creates truth. The truth is found between Genesis 1 and the end of Revelation. That's the truth. But we see as we've already mentioned, all day, every day, that's not what we get out there in the world. Romans 1 and 25. Again, this is not somebody that's, that's heard the word because it says who changed the truth. So it's somebody that's heard the, the truth, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the create, creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Somebody that's taken the Bible and really used it for their own gain. And it becomes more about worshiping that man or that woman and their ideas. Changing the truth of God into a lie. What does it take to do that? Not very much. It doesn't take a major error. Just a small change here and there turns a truth into an untruth. And rightly dividing means that the end result has to be true. We cannot be slightly off and say that we've properly divided. And I'll just give another illustration. We can all agree that 6 divided by 2 equals 3. 6 divided by 2 does not equal whatever that is there, a billionth, a trillionth, whatever that is. That's an untrue statement. The top is truth. The bottom is not truth. But that, I mean, that is a, such a minute change. But guess what? It's not true. It's been changed. And really, we need to guard the truth with that level of uh, deviation or tolerance, whatever math term you want to use. If, if something sounds a little off, we need to be able to recognize that, study it out, 
and make sure that it is right or it is wrong because the scripture is right. There is a right way to divide it and there's a wrong way. There are many people in today's religious world, I don't know, it may be a majority now that will agree that eh, close enough, it's good enough. I'm a good person. It's, it's all right. Close enough is good enough. Close enough is not good enough. It never has been. God is the same from the beginning till the end. He's, he's not all of a sudden in modern America, God is not all of a sudden a different God. Close enough is not good enough. The truth is the truth. Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man. Okay, so nobody is exempt. I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And so I, was, I had never really noticed the, you know, it kind of fits in with our math uh, topic this morning, add to, take away from, subtraction, addition. It's a serious offense to try and change God's word even on a small scale. But in reality, we can't change God's word because you can't change the truth. You can, you know, you can speak lies, you can try to add to it, but God's word is God's word. You really can't alter it. You can't really redefine truth. You can just present it falsely. You can put your own spin on it as it comes from your mouth or your actions. So this, these ideas are all about how we present the word of God. Are we dividing it properly? Because when we don't present the truth just as it is, it's no longer the truth anymore. And what is it? It's, it's a lie. It's a falsehood. So we have a couple of math ideas here in these verses. And just to illustrate one more uh, math example, we've got 1 plus 1. We know 1 plus 1 is 2. I added, I think that's a millionth, and I subtracted a millionth from the real answer, we know one plus one is two. So I showed what it is to add a millionth and subtract a millionth, just a little minute amount. What did it do? It made those statements not true. Just a little bit of error changed those things into a lie. But when it comes to scripture, people do this thing all day, all the time. You will read or you'll see articles or presentations, whatever, books about people that have spent all this time, maybe they've gone to school for years, really for no other reason to try to convince you that the Bible says what it does not say. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, especially the, the apostles, the fishermen that were called, these were not scholars that Jesus gave the word to. You don't have to be have a PhD to preach the truth and understand it. God gave that ability to each and every one of us. And we just need to stick with the Bible and keep it as easy as one plus one equals two because people out there will try to basically work calculus to try to explain one plus one when they can just go to the Bible and it's right there. One plus one equals this. It's the truth. It's simple. He's given us the ability, each and every one of us, to read, study it, understand it, and follow it.
1 Peter 4 and 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Told here that God needs to be glorified in all that we do. I can assure you that God will never be glorified by a message that is not His, by lying about Him. God said this, God said that, God's Word says that. You will never glorify God by doing that. So if I mishandle the truth, if I wrongfully divide it, God is not glorified. He's dishonored when I wrongfully divide the truth. And this speaking as the oracles of God, what does that mean? It, the, I think the gist of it is that we should speak as if God uttered these things himself, as we are speaking as God would want us to have directly from what he's told us, and of course what he's told us is his word. That's speaking as the oracles of God, as if he said it himself. And when we look at the Scripture, what do we have? We have His Word. So when I'm reading Scripture, I am speaking as the oracles of God. Adding our opinions can easily stop us from doing this. It doesn't take many or maybe no think-so, just one think-so or whatever, to alter what a Scripture really means. Think about office machinery. You know, there are probably a lot of us in here that from time to time use a printer. When you have a document, when you see something on your screen and you press print, and you walk over to the printer, you don't expect to look at your document. As you look at your document, you notice that, huh, that changed that paragraph there, or, huh, I wonder why it omitted that paragraph. Or if you lay that on a copy machine, you don't get a copy, and all of a sudden, huh, I wonder why it reworded that. You know, that's kind of how we should be. Think about how God looks at us. If I go out and preach something, take his word and change it up, it would, you know, he would, I'm like the Apostle Paul marveled that people were taken away from the truth. And God, you know, same thing. Why do people turn away from my truth? He's got to be thinking that. What we have, though, is a society that doesn't think about reproducing the Word of God or distributing it like a printer or a copier, they want to Photoshop it is kind of what goes on in today's world. I guess it's gone on for, you know, since the Word was given. To illustrate that point, let's say you took family pictures. And when you go to the photographer to pick those pictures up, you look at that picture and you notice your family doesn't look the same. And that photographer says, well, that kid there, your third kid, nah, I just really didn't like the look. So I just, you know, I scrubbed him out. And that sh those clothes you were wearing, oh, man, you're decades out of style, man. And, and your skin tone over here, you had some acne, so I scrubbed that up. You're not going to accept that. That's ridiculous. But when it comes to the Word of God, that absurdity goes on all the time. Taking the Bible in its simplicity and Photoshopping it. And that gets back to just the man's opinion. How, how do I want to Photoshop that versus the next guy? And it's sad that that happens, but it does. And that's why we have these warnings that we need to accept the truth as it is written. 
and properly divide it. So some do it by choice, others by ignorance, but we can't afford to be in either category. If we speak as the oracles of God, then we will rightfully, rightly divide the word of truth. So this morning, let us consider these verses and see if we are truly handling the word of God properly. We haven't spoken on the first principles this morning, but if you understand baptism, if you have not been baptized yet, but you know what it means and you understand it, well, now's your moment because we are not guaranteed another minute of life. And if you know that you need to be baptized, make that step. You know, we look at the examples in the scripture, like the example of the Ethiopian eunuch and the question he asked after he heard the truth and believed it. He said, well, what hinders me from being baptized? And the response, because here is water, what, what's stopping me from being baptized? Well, really, he himself was the only hindrance. You know, as was told to him, if you believe, you may. Well, right behind this board here, we have water. What hinders you from being baptized? Only yourself. Don't hinder yourself any longer. Like I said, there's no, we're not guaranteed another opportunity to do so. We're all going to face God in judgment. And we have the opportunity, so let's take advantage of that. If you've already taken that step, and maybe you feel like you need the prayers of the church, you're struggling, and and you need the prayers of the church, we offer an invitation if you're in either class this morning, you, come, you can come forward and have a seat on the front bench while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.